The peace of Christ be with you. Let us begin by taking three deep breaths that we might become more fully aware not only of our own presence here, but the presence of the living spirit in and among us. Friends, let us worship the living God. God is everywhere. call to worship. You call us in, O God, and you send us out. In for healing and shelter, out as instruments of care. You call us in, O God, and you send us out. In for instruction and inspiration, out as vessels of hope. You call us in, O God, and you send us out, in for reminders of who we are, out to remind the world of its loveliness. Let's join together now in our opening hymn, O Day of Rest and Gladness. Thank you. 
worshiping with us live here on Facebook or YouTube or worshiping with us at a different time, welcome. Welcome to worship with the people of Westminster. It's a, Summer has arrived. For those of us finishing school, uh, welcome to the season of celebration, uh, some downtime. Not sh sure how different that'll be, but we'll see. It's uh, maybe one small reason to celebrate. Would you please uh, join me in our community prayer? Let's pray. Sometimes we feel so burdened by this life, O oh God, that taking on your call simply feels like too much. How can we spread God's love when it's all we can do to get through the day, to satisfy the to-do list, and care for those in our immediate circles? Let us remember the gift we bring the world. Let us recognize the abundance already present in the world. Let us be liberated from the notion that we have to be saviors, that we might simply and joyfully be God-bearers, sharing liberally the measure of grace having been shown to us. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Ever-present God, you walk with us through good times and bad. Mountain top and valley deep, your footsteps are our guide, your hands are our support. We trust in your forgiveness that you have removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. We have knocked and grateful that you open the door. Open our hearts and minds to your spirit. May this time together cause us to love you and especially to love one another. Amen. For our time of discovery, if we have any children worshiping with us today, I invite you, if you're comfortable, maybe to move just a little closer to the screen. I have a song to teach you today. It's a special song. It's a song that we will be singing quite a bit next week at our Vacation Bible School. Our Vacation Bible School is called Compassion Camp. And I do hope that all our children in fifth grade and younger will join us for that. And perhaps our middle school and high school youth will be willing to be helpers. You can find out more information on our website. So the song that I'm going to sing to you today and that we will be singing at our Vacation Bible School is called We Are All Welcome. And as I sing it, I am simply reminded of how much God welcomes each one of us, welcomes us abundantly, welcomes us unconditionally. And hopefully as we sing this, it will be a reminder to all of us about our welcome in God's eyes. So I'll sing it through once and I invite you to join me after that. The words are easy. We are all welcome. We are all welcome. We are all welcome. Come celebrate with us. We are all welcome, we are all welcome, we are all welcome, come celebrate with us, join me. We are all welcome, we are all welcome, we are all welcome, come celebrate with us. One more time. 
We certainly will be welcoming all at our Vacation Bible School. I hope that our church is a place where everyone always feels welcome. I realize, though, as I sing that, there are times and places in our country, in our world, where people don't feel welcome. It could be for a lot of different reasons, uh, perhaps uh, for the religion that they choose to practice, for the color of their skin, for who they love. You know, there are many reasons why sometimes people aren't welcome. And so I hope that we will always be a people of welcome, that we will always be looking for ways to extend God's extravagant welcome to all people. Now, I would like to welcome the McLeods to the screen as they have a message of welcome for all of us. We are trying to highlight a Westminster household each week in worship, and if you would like to participate with a worship video, please let us know. Hey Westminster, it's Trig and Bill McLeod. We're actually talking to you from the road. We are a quarter of the way through an 11 hour drive to Boise, Idaho. After three months sheltering in place, it's time to change the scenery. So we are on our way to visit with really close friends and celebrate with them our 23rd wedding anniversary this Sunday. And other than our rogue sheltering in place trip that we're on, um, as a family, we're doing fine. Um, you know, there's definitely some boredom and some moments, but we're getting through it. Uh, and in some ways it's been nice because I think it's brought us all closer in a way. But um, we're looking forward to, uh, to getting back to worship one day and seeing all of you. Hope you're all doing well, but the McLeods are a-okay. Thank you, Bill, Trey. Great to see you and enjoy the potatoes and we'll we look forward to seeing you, whether it's on screen or over the phone or in person at some point. Uh, enjoy your time there and safe travels home. We're going to spend some time in prayer and what is usually our time of joys and concerns. I'll uh, just provide some prompts for a reflection of prayer. If you are a uh, an external processor, as I am sometimes, and would enjoy uh, sharing, I'm sure many people would enjoy seeing what you've shared. Feel free to leave a comment uh, along these prompts and our Facebook chats and our YouTube chats. And even if you're watching this tomorrow or next week, whenever, we would still love to see any sorts of prayers that you want to lift up here. Of course, if that is a, as much a blessing to you as it is to us. So let us pray. May we be still, God. May we be aware of these things in our midst. For there, in your own heart, God, the Spirit is at prayer. May we listen and learn from these people and places. Open and find your hearts 
and wisdom, God, we are grateful for and share our gratefulness for. And may you please meet these needs of the people and places that are close to our hearts. And as we close our time in prayer, would you join me in praying the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
my heart has been heavy these past weeks. I won't say with the racial strife, but rather the revealing of the racial strife. It's been here for a long, long time. And I'll say I don't want us to be a church that addresses this once or twice in a sermon and then simply moves on, treating it like a passing fad. I hope we can engage in sustained efforts around racial justice. So I encourage you to get involved. We have a number of people working faithfully on this, trying to put together some resources and some opportunities for us to do some learning and some engaging. So if you'd like to be a part of that, no matter what you know or think you know or know you don't know, please reach out to me, to Bethany, to Kurt Peterson, who's our outreach chair, outreach being the commission that's really working on this on behalf of Westminster. It's only through making this a thread that runs through much of what we do, rather than something we just treat in one burst, that lasting change is most likely. That this holy moment becomes something that leads to real and lasting transformation, not just a moment of hand-wringing and guilt and pain. In all things, we are motivated to action by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So today, we turn to a powerful gospel story. From the 10th chapter of Matthew, verses 5 to 14, listen for what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. These 12, the 12 disciples, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper coins in your belts, no bag for your journey, no two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. This is somewhat of a difficult reading. But we trust that it is also holy wisdom, holy word. And we say together, thanks be to God. I spent some of last week talking about the desire to pull in, to become small, to find shelter, be protected. There are moments for that. On balance, however, I think most of us want to live a bigger life, a more expansive life, a life filled with freedoms, choices, opportunities. I think these are unarguably shared values in our culture, even if we choose to express them and seek them out differently. It's no wonder phrases such as no limits become almost mantras for a culture such as ours, even as we become more acutely aware that some suffer limits that others do not, imposed upon them. We seek that more expansive life. 
many of you know my interest in pilgrimage. One of the reasons I'm drawn to pilgrimage is on pilgrimage, one can have a religious experience in a way that's totally outside the bounds of any building, of even necessarily any religion, out there in the walking, in the expansive, wide open road, things happen that are freeing, not confined by some of the rigid structures that have made spirituality for many of us grow dry. We want a limitless life. What if we're wrong? Now, I want to be careful here. As I alluded to a moment ago, there are some who experience limits that others do not unjustly imposed upon them. That's not what I'm speaking about. What I'm saying here is that for some of us, or perhaps for all of us some of the time, the very limits we encounter in life don't have to only lead to constriction, but can in fact lead to expansion. They can become our guides and our teachers leading us to a life of greater freedom, fulfillment, and faithfulness. Now, I didn't come to this conclusion on my own. I came to it actually by engaging this passage in Matthew's gospel where Jesus addresses this theme of limits in two well, frankly, uncomfortable ways, at least on the surface. First, as you just heard, Jesus right out of the gate sends out his disciples, but tells them where not to go. Don't go to the towns of the Samaritans. These are the sworn enemies of the Jews, Jesus's own people. Go just to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Again, this is an uncomfortable commandment for Jesus seems to be playing favorites and he's doing it on the basis of ethnic identity. This very passage or one like it where Jesus shows his narrowly defined mission as simply for his people. This passage came up in a discussion when I was on pilgrimage, fittingly, with an interfaith group on the Camino in Spain. And we talked about the ways in which, well, the ways in which different religions have held limits in painful ways over the others. We talked about conquests and exclusive claims to truth and the damage done by this way of interacting. Could Jesus really be making such an exclusive and even prejudicial commandment? I mean, to be fair, just five chapters later in Matthew, Jesus is challenged by a woman who is not a Jew, a Syrophoenician woman, who calls him to account and says, you must broaden your perspective and broaden your mission to include others. And Jesus, to his credit, does precisely that. What is going on in this commandment? Well, perhaps, perhaps there is some nugget of wisdom in what Jesus is saying. You know, the legacy of the Christian tradition is not just 
the building of churches and hospitals and schools and other positive things for communities all across the globe, though it is that. The legacy of the church is also conquest and the spreading of disease and alcohol or alcoholism. All kinds of unseemly things. The re-education of people which has led to the virtual eradication of certain cultures. Could it be that Jesus recognized the potential for this? And even, even our Lord recognized the danger of this and therefore refused to have the audacity to tell others how they should live, what customs they should follow that he knew that what he was about was a call to internal integrity of his people based on their stated values, their stated commitments, their law. And so he had no interest in imposing his way on others outside that community. Another thing that should be mentioned on this front. Jesus' people were a minority people. So the notion of taking care of your own or working on behalf of your own or only being concerned with your own takes a very different meaning when you're one of the little guys rather than when you are the dominant culture. Perhaps that is a piece of what's going on. Now, there may have been a practical side of it too, not nearly as dramatic as that. Jesus knew the power of being focused in his mission, being clear about what was his work and what was not his work. How many of us have spread ourselves too thin trying to do it all and accomplish everything or seen others spread too thin and therefore because they become about everything, they're really about nothing. And nothing happens. All these themes swirling together might explain Jesus actually recognizing the power of limits and how they could have kept people had they heeded these limits in some ways from engaging in some of the shadow side of our faith. Forced conversions, there's an oxymoron for you. And that's some of what's been done by people who were eager in their faith, but perhaps not so evolved. In it. Jesus is clear about his work, what is and what isn't. The second way in which Jesus lifts up for us this theme of limits may also be surprising, particularly for those of us in this culture. For one of the other things we lift up is a mantra is never give up, never quit. Keep at it. Don't stop. And we know the benefits of that way of being the persistence that it embeds in people. The resilience. The courage to try and try again and again and again. And yet, what does Jesus say to his disciples? Go out and do the work. Proclaim that the kingdom is coming near. Cure the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. 
all these forms of healing that are both personal and communal. Go and do that. And where you are received, where your gifts and your passions and your intentions are welcomed, set up camp there and stay until the work is finished and it's time to move on. But where it's not received, where you're not offered hospitality, and hospitality would have been a foundational value of his culture, where you're not offered that hospitality, shake the dust off your feet and move That is countercultural for us. Sounds like giving up, like quitting. To me, it sounds like real life. Oh, I understand the call to teach our young people and to remind ourselves not to give up so quickly. Sometimes that's admirable persistence. Other times, that's bullheaded. Committing to banging your head against the wall over and over again. The wall's going to win that one most of the time. And there are moments when the wiser thing is to take a step back and to look around and to walk around and find another way. And your gifts and your commitments and the work will be received with hospitality and encouragement, and maybe even people will join in with you. Could this limit or this recognition of one's own limits, in fact, be freeing? Isn't it liberating to hear that there are times when it's better to shake the dust off your feet and move on? How many people have we seen Maybe we've been these people ourselves, trapped in a toxic relationship beyond repair. In an environment at work or in some other setting that is killing of the soul or, or unjust or inappropriate or oppressive. But we stay in it because we're told to stay in it. And we think we're being admirable by staying in it. But in fact, what we're doing is bearing the gifts that God has given us that could be expressed and welcomed and could bear fruit somewhere else. There is a time to stay in it, to persist, to try again. And, and there's a time to move on, to recognize a limit, to redirect, some of the best choices I've ever made have been to quit, to recognize where I wasn't going anywhere, and to redirect my energy and focus, which is more tragic, to give up and move in another direction, or to spend the rest of your life banging your head against a wall. There's a time to stay and a time to go, and wisdom is knowing the difference and knowing when to do each, taking an honest assessment of your limits, knowing when you've done what you can, and recognizing it's time to do something else. This is hard for us because we are an ego-strong culture, and this requires a serious check of the ego because we have to recognize that we're not the Savior. 
we can't save everything and fix everything and bend everything to our will. Part of life is knowing how to be pliable as well. I'd say even imposing limits on ourselves can be liberating, not just recognizing limits. Imposing limits can be a path to freedom. Today's my anniversary. Okay, there is an unfortunately worded transition. Let's impose limits. Hey, I'm married. But actually, it's a perfect example, at least for me. What is marriage? And, and marriage is not the ultimate relationship, other relationships as well. But one of the things marriage is, is the willful imposing of limits on oneself. I will choose to be with one person in a way that I'm not going to choose to be with other people. Now, we could view that through the lens of confinement, but that's not what it's been in my life. Through choosing to be with my spouse, all these things have deepened. I'm given a life partner with whom I can explore things on a deeper level where we can experience the world together in a way that is opening rather than what could be just bouncing around and skimming the surface with folks. So for me, that path has led to expansion, not primarily constriction. Others may have different experiences, but actually any relationship we choose, actually any choice we make is about choosing to say no to some things and yes to others. And in that limiting, there can be an expansion. Another example, when I was a child, I went to a Montessori school for fifth and sixth grade. And one of the things they did was they granted freedoms based on kind of what you could handle. And I needed a lot of structure. And so I wasn't allowed to do a lot of things until I got certain things done. So certain things were taken off my table, my plate. But it's through those limits imposed upon me that then I was able to focus and achieve. And then things really opened up for me. And that stuck with me so much that I would say to this day, the quality that has served me the best in life is discipline, not intelligence, not any other trait that we like to claim we have. No, discipline. And what is discipline? It's the willful acceptance and imposition of limits of making some things in your life smaller for a period of time so that the thing you're focusing on can become bigger. And isn't that what we ultimately want? The bigger life. We had a therapist come and do some teaching at the church last year, a wonderful man named Jacob Brown. I recommend him to you, so I don't mind naming him. And I'm happy to share his contact information with you if that would be of interest. Jacob Brown works primarily with uh, aging communities, with seniors. He's a therapist, as I mentioned. And he talks about the ways in which often as we age in this culture, we feel life closing in on us. I don't even mean death closing in. That's a different question. But life closing in. Life starts to feel smaller because we start to recognize things that are no longer available to us. And he said something that I'll, I'll never forget. He said, people think that if I recognize my limits, my life will get smaller. When in fact, if I recognize my limits and my limitations, my life will get 
bigger. We think if we recognize our limits, our life will get smaller. But in fact, if we recognize our limits, our life gets bigger. What does he mean by that? Part of what he means by that is when you recognize your limits, you stop doing the singular thing of barking up the wrong tree and getting hoarse, or banging your head against the wall and getting sore and not getting anywhere. He uses uh, wonderfully practical, down-to-earth examples. He talks about being a runner, for example, and he says, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who, when they get to the point in their life when they can no longer run because of physical limitations, they just get depressed and they can think of no other way. Now, he recognizes the real loss that is for people. But he says some people simply can't adapt. And so, be, so they either do one of two things. They either keep running anyway, even though their body can't really handle it, or they simply stop doing things altogether and surrender to inactivity. And both choices are damaging. And both choices are narrowing because both are denial of the limitation. But then he says there are these other people who start to find joy in some of the same benefits and other activities, though not quite the same, but in new ways, and some with extra benefits. The joy of walking, which may not have the same aggressive or vigorous feel, but can bring with it conversation or contemplation or sightseeing at a more leisurely pace. People take up birding or hiking or biking or swimming or group exercise classes or gardening or any host of activities. And that range is far broader through the recognition and the acceptance of that unwelcome limitation they find expansion. Maybe that's the invitation that Jesus is also offering us today. You know what's funny about pilgrimage? It's not open-ended at all. It's not boundless. A pilgrimage is, is walking on a marked-out path, kind of one way, one direction even. At best, it's a few feet wide at its widest point. You don't get to do very much on a pilgrimage. You eat, you drink, you walk, you sleep. You use the restroom, you shower occasionally. It's very limited. But that's where all the freedom comes. Because those limits become a safe container in which the heart and the mind and the conversations can open to eternity. Consider where you are feeling confined, where we as a people are feeling confined. Let it be our teacher. Let it be our guide. Let it lead us to expansion. Amen.
as we come to our time of announcements today, I want to encourage you to visit our website often. That is the place where you can find the most up-to-date information about what is going on. And a huge thank you to Martha Vojevich, who is doing an amazing job of keeping that updated. Um, so we have several Zoom gatherings happening during the week. Um, hopefully you joined us maybe before worship for our time of prayer, or you're planning to join us after worship for our time of fellowship. Those will both be on Zoom. A couple of things to highlight. Our Congregational Life Commission has arranged some small group picnics for this coming weekend and the following weekend. Uh, these will be in small groups, socially distanced, uh, but a great time to actually see some of your fellow congregants face to face. If you're interested in being a part of that, again, there is a link on the website. You do need to sign up in advance because space is limited. Uh, there will also be a virtual picnic for those who are not yet comfortable uh, meeting in person. I mentioned our Compassion Camp Vacation Bible School. You can find out more about that on the website. Our Spiritual Life Commission is starting a summer book group. That will start the evening of Monday the 22nd. More information about that on the website. Um, Truly, even though we are still, for the most part, sheltering in place, the life of the church continues. There are many opportunities to be connected, so please take advantage of those. Now, I invite us to join together in our closing hymn. Thank you. 
Receive this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day, be with you every day. Amen.